You are now tuned in to Project Legacy, the podcast, a podcast where we tackle real life experiences of growth and spirituality. Everyone is building a legacy. What is yours? On this episode, I will be speaking with Natalia. We tackle the challenges of growing up biracial, her mother being American and her father from Mozambique. Her experience and her connection to the continent of Africa is a very unique one. So I'm excited for you guys to hear this. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to another episode of Project Legacy the podcast. I'm Tanady, your host, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Natalia. Hi, everyone. Hello. So I'm so excited, Natalia, for you to come on and be joining me today. Um, A little background for all of our listeners today. We worked together a few years ago, and like I was telling Natalia right before we started recording, one of the biggest things that has always kind of stuck with me and remained with me about our time together was just her experience and connection with the motherland, as we call it, Africa. And just this pride that she's always kind of exuded on, that I've always received from her, surrounding her knowledge about the culture and her land and the customs. So to me, I feel like this was just a needed conversation because I don't think a lot of people have this experience. And I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who do, but this is something that I think was, a conversation that I really did want to have because I feel like you came into my life, you touched it and made a difference and made me view things a lot different. And I really am just really, really excited about you taking the time to share your story with me. So I just want to share that appreciation with you yet again, Natalia. Thank you. And I'm so happy to be here. I agree. It was a brief moment or like a semester. Right. Yes. But yeah, every, all my memories of Eba were really amazing and you were part of that so also thank you for having me on here and inviting me I've never been invited to do a podcast like this so yay first time (laughs) for everything so my first question in true project legacy fashion is who are you who is Natalia at this very moment in her life Natalia is a an evolving woman of color Mm. um she lives in Chicago she is Mozambican American. She is um, educated, well traveled, commit, and I would just say to end it, but like committed to uh, leaving the world in a better place than she found it. Mm, that's very deep. And it's so, every time I ask this question with the guests, I feel like it always, just because I have that like pre context of who you are. I mm-hmm. feel like you guys always sum yourselves up so good. And I'm just like, that's exactly who you are. <laughs> like, I always like think about it. I'm like, you are so right. You hit it on the nail, um, which only makes sense because it's about you. Um, so jumping right in. So thank you for answering that first question. Jumping right into the topic today of just kind of diving deeper into your experience of not only growing up in the United States, but really spending a lot of time indulged in your African culture as well. What, my first question is, when was the first time that you kind of like, not understood race, but like race became a thing that you were like self-conscious about it or like were aware that it was even a thing? So when I think back, 
Mm-hmm. I knew that I was a mix of my parents. You know, my mom is white, my dad is black. And so I was somewhere in the middle. So color wise yeah. for a child, like that made sense. I was like a little bit of both. And so I think that was always a given for me, even though that wasn't as common, it was like my normal, you know? Yeah. So like I knew that yeah. other people looked other ways because they're, that's how their parents looked and so on. That's probably an early one, but I remember like being in school and my school was predominantly Latinx. And so I'm also like, I'm brown um, and I fit in and looked similarly to a lot of my Puerto Rican and Mexican um, classmates. So physically I also blended in, but I knew I wasn't Latinx. And so that was probably, I was like, okay, where we like look similar, but our cultures are different. Our language is different, but also similar in a lot of ways. I grew up speaking Portuguese, which is similar to Spanish, but they are very, also very different languages. So I, it was always normal for me to like be a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of the other thing. So even though that wasn't common, that was my norm. Um, And I think like it wasn't as much racially, it was more like culturally I felt different. So Mm -hmm. like I would come to the U.S. and, you know, know or talk about things that were uh, unique to my Mozambican culture and feel like I didn't fit in. And then I would go to Mozambique and have like aspects of my American culture that also didn't fit in. So it was like, it was a neither here nor there feeling, but also like a both feeling, you know, like I am both, but I'm also neither here nor there because I'm not fully one or the other. And that's what I think an experience that a lot of mixed race children have is like, you're half this and you're half that. And you're like all these little smaller pieces that make up a whole, but you're not like fully anything right does that make sense it does make sense and I think that it's a narrative that I've only recently become more aware of like my mom's Puerto Rican my dad's Dominican but there's just like I'm Hispanic you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. like I Mm -hmm. am like we speak Spanish we cook all the same things we eat all the same things there may be variations and like seasonings and stuff but like for the most part I am a product of this one thing and that's what it feels like and I was watching something with my husband this documentary and it was basically about this exact thing where um this young man was just like you know I don't belong anywhere and he was half white half black and he was just like you know I'm not white enough for this side because I look Mm -hmm. black but then I'm not black enough because I am white, you know, to the black community. Exactly. And I was just like, that was the first time that I really sat back and was like, wow, there's a completely different narrative than what I assumed. Like, you know, I've also, I've always met people who were biracial or white and black or whatever their, their, you know, culture clash was. And I've just kind of taken it at face value. Like, oh, that's so dope. You're Cuban and Haitian. You're this and that. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like, because in my mind, I'm like, that's dope. You have two worlds to like learn about and be a part of. But I really wasn't educated or enlightened on those Mm -hmm. feelings that just, I guess, naturally come when, like you said, you are from two places and it doesn't necessarily feel like a whole. 
you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this is why I was really excited to have this conversation with you because I was just like, you know, we've had these really dope conversations, but I feel like, because I wasn't there in my life to really understand what that was like, I wasn't even there to even ask these questions because I wasn't aware. So, you know, again, I'm so grateful that you're here having this conversation with me because I think it's just so interesting. And it's something Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of people need to be aware of because I was very ignorant to the fact that this could very much so be something that somebody is struggling with, you know, this sense of identity. Cause in my mind, I just thought it was cool, but in that person's mind, there's very much so a chance that this person is really having a hard time or um, has experienced things in life that has made it difficult to be able to identify. And, you know, my hope with this episode is that people walk away with an understanding that, you know, everybody's journey is different. But being aware of it and having kind of like the verb, the vocabulary and just the space to speak to people about these things, I think is just really cool and interesting in itself. So one thing that you just said when I asked that first question was that you knew that you were a little bit of both, which I think it was just such a good way to put it. And that you were like somewhere in the middle of your parents, like, was that, so you said it was just kind of normal, but did you ever not necessarily question it, but was it ever something that like you really, really tried to analyze or figure it out? Or did you just take it at face value? Yeah. As a kid, I took it as face value. Um, I'm very grateful for my mom who just, I feel like always explained Mm. it in very like simple, easy terms, you know, like this is just how it is. And like, that's how this is like your basically like, this is your reality and some way, someone else's reality is, like, different because of, like, where they come from. So I think I was always very aware, even if I didn't have the language for it yet, I was always very aware of, like, context, you know? I was always, mm-hmm. like, because I was exposed to so many different cultures and places. Like, we also traveled to a lot of other um, places. So I was traveling from a very young age. And I was like, okay, so in this place, it's like this. Mm-hmm. And in this other okay. place, it's like this. And so that type of, like, contextual understanding, I had always, like, understood, I think, since I was a child. And, like, even, like, with internally, I was like, okay, so in Mozambique, this type of behavior is more accepted. And when I'm in the, back in the U.S., like, I have, you know, this type of freedom or, like, you know, ability or, like, I don't know. It sort of depends, um, but you know, it's just like the the reflection of the culture is specific to the place, right. and I had always like been aware of that. And then that, I mean, that had the re- the effect of you know, sort of feeling unstable in a lot of ways. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I'm constantly going from one place to another, and like as an un unintended consequence like I had to behave differently or or adapt Mm, and so like that that's both like a blessing and a curse right is to be able to adapt to where you are but then you also like your sense of self is also all over the place if you're like constantly adapting to the environment like what other people expect of you right now was there ever a time where you wanted to just be one or the other yeah (laughs) really Um, yeah I think it was probably so I would 
I primarily lived in the U.S. Um, and then I would go to Mozambique for like summer breaks for months at a time every year though. So it was like always consistent, but I was mostly growing up in an American culture. And so I just always remember like wanting to go to summer camp, like the rest of my friends and like, I had to go to Africa and like being mm. disappointed about that. But of course, when I say that now, it sounds ridiculous because like who wouldn't want to go travel right. um, that far? But it was, you know, just like growing up at a, as a kid in American society, like you want to fit in and you right. want to like do everything that will help you fit in and, you know, wear the clothes and straighten your hair and, you know, all those things that were very like unconscious that right. like I didn't, I didn't understand why I wanted to like straighten my hair other than like that was like cool or like that was beautiful like but I, I didn't have like the self-awareness to really understand like what that meant and like what that does to sort of like the psyche of a child with curly hair mm-hmm. um and like thinking like and getting all this like positive attention with straight hair um That's wait was I- the question what did I feel like I didn't belong no, no, no. The question. I want to make sure I get that. No, no, no. You, no, no, no. You got literally what I want, and this is exactly what I wanted because I knew you were gonna start hitting things that I could just like branch mm-hmm. off of. So that was perfect. And going off of what you said, because I'm gonna go back to that with the hair, and I'm happy you said this because it was definitely one of my bullet points to touch, mm-hmm. just because I feel like kind of like what you said, and just hearing you say, it, I'm just like, wow, I can relate to that. Like the just the notoriety you got when your hair was straight or you like having straight hair being associated with beautiful beautiful hair or acceptable hair that was exactly how I grew up too like I had a perm at the age of two like so this idea of hair and I think it's been definitely more on the forefront like natural hair and kinks and natural hairstyles and protective styles like hair has just become such a identity right like hair itself is an entire identity for some people right so what was that like for you having to balance between the two of the because i'm well now i'm not gonna assume like when you weren't going to mozambique with your family like was straight hair not a thing was everybody that you were seeing there embracing their natural hair at a young like when you were in a young age like what was that Mm. kind of concept for you you know when you were around you know your Mozambique side of the family and you know experiencing that yeah I think like I think those like beauty standards are sort of unfortunately universal so Mm. I think I probably saw my aunt had her afro out but also my hair naturally is quite thin even though it is curly so like I I even when my hair was in its natural curls I still got all the like you're so lucky you have good hair comments but then it would always get better when it was straightened you know so it was like yeah it's nice but it's even better when it's straight and so I I think I was always aware that my hair naturally like didn't stand up, <laughs> you know, right, it always right, right. fell down. Yeah. It, it, it's hard for me to say. Cause I think like I still got, because I am like light skinned and have like pretty like for society standards, like manageable hair, like mm-hmm. I, it would always be in 
my comparisons to like my white like classmates mm. you know like I, I wouldn't always like I wouldn't necessarily be comparing it to my African side as much because a lot of the women in, on that side of the family did like perm their hair mm-hmm. as well so I will say one thing so like I think there's also a dynamic between like African and African-American so like I know like right many Africans when they're in the U.S. they're like our cultures are completely different but society still treats them the same because they look the same to them right right. um I think that's also like I couldn't really relate a lot to like the African-American experience even though there is not one singular African-American experience so that was actually one thing where I remember a few times as a child, like wishing that I did have like curlier, kinkier hair, because then it would be more obvious that I was black. Right. And a lot of people always assumed that I was Latinx, which of course is also mixed, you know, from generations back. I think like everyone is mixed. It just depends how far back you were mixed. Right. Like right. for me, it was just my parents, but like for you, maybe it was like, generations ago right when like the first like like spaniards came and mixed with the indigenous people that were already there and then add in like the slave population that was brought over so there that's and that's that is i think a reflection of a lot of my experience like there's all these little bits and pieces that make it so complex and like there's no easy way to i guess discern or like bring out like what one singular thing is because like yeah because like like I said like I straightened my hair a lot but then I also remember wishing I had curly hair so it's like it's both and they both they all depended on sort of like the context and and I guess my age and what I thought was like cool or pretty or desirable um, at that point in time that makes perfect sense now with because I I love the fact that you said that, you know, your mom was able to kind of explain these things on a very easy, easily digestible manner, mm-hmm. right? In a way that you as a child were able to just kind of accept things as they were. Was there anything that you wish your parents would have explained a little bit more in depth or like took the time to really navigate with you as a child specifically or like you know a young lady let's say I feel like middle school is always like that age where we're talking about like hormones life changing Mm -hmm. like you know you're changing so was there anything that you wish that they would have really like navigated or helped you navigate that could have made something a little bit easier for you so like whatever that is like you know, maybe the transition or the understanding or the acceptance, like, was there anything that you wish they would have navigated with you? Um, I think, like, my parents did the best with what they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anything, like, that, I don't know, I, I don't want to say, like, I would change, like, the course of my life, because mm-hmm. I think one of these, like, answers, I, like, I don't want to say, tell them to have parented me differently, Um, I think it was just like, it was like you said, like easily digestible um, for a child to understand, but it was mostly like, this is how it is. Mm. You know, like there wasn't always an explanation of why or like, you know, deeper. And so, I mean, I don't know how much I would have understood, but like maybe, and I think it also is 
a reflection of like where culture has gone you know like today we're all about being like very clear in communication and like explaining all the different ways in which that like race and like systems and capitalism like intersect and like you know like there's all those like very specific ways that we can explain it and I think Mm -hmm. that we didn't have language for that at the time or at least not not a language that was like available to everybody so like I had to develop all of that and learn all of that for myself like in college um and then later on in grad school so I think like maybe I just would have appreciated in like the years that I was like just a teenager and and like frustrated and angsty and mm-hmm. wishing that everything was like simple and easy mm-hmm. um, maybe in those years to have been, like had have had like better understanding of like why things are the way they are not just this is how they are right um, now were you verbal about your feelings like you said like when you were frustrated and like did you verbalize <laughs> that to your parents or was that hard for you to do yeah I don't think I did very well or at least I was probably only verbalizing my feelings of frustration you know I wasn't gotcha it was like that was the extent of it I don't think I was um, very verbal about self-awareness or like the deeper things I was just like this sucks this is annoying and that's it you know like I didn't really like dig too deep or I didn't have the capacity to I was just like these are my emotions and that's how they are and that's right Right. Very teenager-y. <laughs> um, now, next question is, what was your experience with your families? So, like, when you were in the United States, where you say, you know, you were primarily, I mean, but you did spend the split time, but, like, was it total, like, culture shock every time you were with one side or the other? Like, did you feel... Because again, you say you're a mix of these two places, you're pieces of these two places. Like, did you feel, you know, 100% accepted when you were in both of these spaces, but not um, like outside spaces, not like in Africa as a whole, but like with your, like in your dad's house or in your grandmother's Mm -hmm. house. And then like on your mom's side, like at an aunt's house or your grandmother's house, like, you know, did you feel like you fit in when you were in these spaces? Mm -hmm. I definitely felt like I fit in, but it was always like to a point, you know, like it was never like fully, it was probably like half. And so like, at least when I, I think when I was in the US, I like mostly felt at home because I fit in with that like culture more Uh and I understood how it worked more. So, but then like, I, I would go to Mozambique and like have to do a whole code switch and, you know, I would still, I'm, I was a child, I'd still, like, make mistakes or, like, not do things how things were expected. And so there were times where I was in Mozambique where I just, like, wouldn't feel fully at home, you know, like, not fully, like, settled. And so, yeah, that question is, like, yes and no. It's, like, in certain points and, like, maybe one-on-one with certain people. But, like, as a whole, like, if the family was all over for, like, lunch or something, you know, like, I would still, I don't think 
or that was part of my code switching, right? Was that I couldn't right. be like my full American self in Mozambique or like I couldn't bring like that whole part of me. And then same when I was here in the States, like I couldn't bring myself fully to any situation. Right. Now how like, with have... my parents. Yep. Go ahead. Sorry. With my no, parents, no, no. like I felt fine and at home and, mm-hmm. and loved, but yeah, it was, it was like in more like with the whole family, I was like, okay, I have to bring my Mozambican self to this to this party yeah. and I have to bring my American self to this other party. And it was like, if for a lot of my childhood, I had an understanding of Portuguese, but I didn't uh, fully feel as confident as I did speaking it as I did in English. And I thought in English, you know, I dreamt in English, like English was my, like right. my brain was how yeah. my brain was, <laughs> was thinking. Right. So um, that was also a, a layer of it when I was in Mozambique because I didn't that was part of me feeling like I didn't fully fit in because I couldn't express myself in the same way so it would always be like yes no like oh I like this I could I could have said like very simple basic things but I don't think that I could really explain who I was and then that sort of led to me feeling like I wasn't being like my authentic self this is like me later thinking back but that's the effect that I think it had on me as a kid no, and that's huge. And now I kind of want to dive deeper into kind of like, I think when you started kind of doing this like deeper reflection and stuff, which it seems like it was college for mm-hmm. you. And I think that that is like a common thread for like people who are able to get out and explore. Like one of my best friends went to an HBCU and like went there and was just like so proud to be around all of these beautiful black people and so proud to just be who she was so I feel like college for a lot of people becomes like this self-identifying experience Mm -hmm. where it's just like no like this is who I was now I'm figuring out who I am so with that like what were some of your biggest challenges to face in college and specifically with just finding yourself because you know while you're a child you have your parents and like you said like even if like everybody was around you always knew that you can go to mom and feel okay you Mm -hmm. can go to dad and feel okay now you're off at college you're by yourself yes you may be able to call but you really have to start developing these tools on your own what were some of those initial challenges that you faced um having this experience i think when i got to college i've I think I had always been used to sort of being the girl with like a weird, unique story. And so I I like had since throughout my life, like developed my little elevator pitch or speech (laughs) of like my abridged life story. You know, people are like, oh, where's that name from? Or where is it? It's like, well, it's complicated. I can tell you the full long story if you want, or I can give you like this abridged version of, oh, I was born in Africa, but I grew up in Chicago, but my dad still lives there because my parents split up and so like I I had always just had that sort of language to to say like who I am and where I'm from Mm -hmm. um but I think yeah it was during college where I really began to understand like racism Mm -hmm. as like a concept and like a system like through learning about history and political science and I had one class and this was probably just like the moment where I felt like oh okay because I think being mixed like you know you are unique 
in mm-hmm. a way. And I think I I knew a few other mixed kids, but I knew that we were rare. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I didn't know that there, you know, there's obviously been a history of it. People have been mixing for a long time. But, you know, in my sort of concept or understanding of the world, I was like, oh, it's probably just me and a few other people. And like, that's it. Mm-hmm. But I took a class that was called Jim Crow. It was a history class mm-hmm. and an American studies class. And it was all about Jim Crow. Era. And yeah, it was really important for me to learn the history. But then I also like my final paper for that class, which is my probably like my favorite paper I've ever written was about anti-miscegenation laws that were sort of part of the civil rights era. And so they were initially laws that prohibited the mixing of races. And at that time, it was sort of like marriage. So you weren't allowed to marry someone from another race, but they were found to be unconstitutional. And that's, it's been popularized by the the Lovings. They were a couple from Virginia. There's, there's a whole movie made about them. Uh actually but they were like one of the first they were the case of an interracial marriage that overturned the anti-miscegenation laws and so it was learning about those laws and like all the cases that had preceded it that really taught me a lot about like what it means to be mixed here sort of Uh like with the with the historical and cultural lens yeah it was in like doing all of that research and really realizing like wow like this is a, a legit thing and people have been doing it you know I always thought like my story was a one-off like my mom was in Mozambique and like she just happened to meet my dad you know and and that is the story but you know it sort of becomes part of this larger history of of people from two different cultures who come together and have a child and you know build a life together that sort of marries the the two cultures so was that like an aha moment like I fit in or like I found my you know I found me in like Mm -hmm. that like a representation of what I've always felt like was that like groundbreaking in that sense or was it just kind of like okay this makes sense or did you finally kind of feel like something clicked for you yeah I wouldn't say it was an aha I feel like it was more like a "Mm." so like Mm, this is what I've been like (laughs) not understanding or like this is like some piece of information in history that I've been missing that sort of like puts like it was sort of like a missing piece in the puzzle gotcha. in that sense and I was like oh you know like it's some it's things that you sort of knew all along but that was sort of like became the glue that like put all of these things together and I was like oh okay so now like it was after having the the lessons and perspectives from that class that allowed me to be like oh like that's where it comes from or that's that thing I was feeling that like I never had language for or like a context for that makes sense and did you so with this kind of like you know new worlds opening up and all of these classes because that's another beauty of like college is like you have this opportunity to now learn about whatever you want right like Mm -hmm. the world is your oyster in college and that's a great thing were there any moments where you found yourself having to have a difficult conversation with your parents based off of the things that you were learning like were 
a lot of these learning experience kind of like, this is good for me to have. And like, I'm gonna keep this in my back pocket. And, you know, I'm gonna just keep going forward. Or did you feel inclined to kind of like, go back to your parents and just kind of be like, listen, I just learned about this. Like, what do you know about this? Or, you know, like, did you know this? Like, did you have a lot of those moments in college? I think I probably shared like the final paper and I'm actually sort of putting these two things together now. I think part another sort of symptom or like byproduct of like the code switching over Mm -hmm. all the years was I learned how to really keep different spheres of my life separate from one each mm. from one another okay. so like natalia in mozambique it's not a different person but you know like that's just in the mozambique folder in my brain and then like american so like i think i definitely put like college in its own separate folder and i I was also quite shy about sharing what I had written. Like I really only allowed the professor to see it and Mm -hmm. get my grade. So that's, I think, just a personality thing. But I am sort of realizing like I did keep a lot of separate worlds like private from one another. And so I think what I did end up doing was I was like, oh, I have all this new information. Let me see if there's more there like within Mm -hmm. my family. Or So I would like, that's when I really started. And it was also in college. I chose the college I went to because they offered Portuguese so I could learn it more officially and therefore be able to speak and fit in better with my Mozambican family. And so it was also like, that's also the level that was coming in. So as I got more comfortable in expressing myself in a more complex way in Portuguese, that allowed me to have more conversations with my paternal grandmother. And I like asked her about stories and, you know, where our family came from. And I actually found out a few years ago that we have some connection to India as well, because, yeah, because the the Portuguese trade routes they they were all over like southern Africa and Asia as well so we have some connections there and like that was I think what that class allowed me to do is like okay let me dig deeper and see what else is here that is awesome I think that that's so cool you know I'm always fascinated about culture so yeah I love that that's dope <laughs> um and you touched on earlier like there being a difference between you and your african-american friends right like Mm -hmm. there's a difference like what if you can like try to put that into words just so you know myself and the listeners can kind of get a grasp for what that was because in my mind i'm just like well i don't know like i wonder like were they excited to kind of learn about this culture that you you know were aware of grew up around um Mm -hmm. which was completely you know detached from them Um, And not by any doing of their own, but of course, with our history in the United States, like that connection to Africa was just completely severed. Like, did you run into a lot of like or any situations where people were just like super receptive or like people were just kind of like over it? And like, what was your experience, um, you know, coming into contact with people who were connected to Africa in one way? just not in the way that you were. Yes, I think growing up, I got a lot of like Oreo comments, you know, like, yeah, you're, you might be black on the outside, but like on the inside, you are white or like, you know, your experience isn't like ours. Um, So I was, you know, welcomed into some black spaces and then also not welcome. And I, I think when I was younger, I took a lot of that personally. And I was Mm -hmm. also like, well, I, I can't control it. Like, I don't know. Like, I didn't. 
ask for this. Um, but right. I also, I don't think I, I knew enough to sort of like understand because I realize it is quite a privilege to know where you come from. And even though a lot of like African-Americans might not have that like lineage or it only goes f- far back like a few generations and, you know, not like pre colonial or or pre-slavery so yeah that was a privilege that I really under only understood was a privilege until my adulthood yeah I think it was always like oh she's different like yeah she's black but she's still different you know like it was always like you are you have some of it but not fully right so that that has always been the theme like some somewhat most of the way but not fully you're not like and that had a lot of uh, the effect of like not feeling whole in a lot of ways as right. like as a, a lower like subconscious thing that I'm like beginning to, to reflect on like in the last few years. But yeah, it was like, it was always that, yeah, sort of, but not too much or, and I, I, I was very welcome in a lot of the Latinx spaces and, you know, people were always like, okay, you look sort of black, but you're like mixed with something like you're not full black. Right. Um, And that's literally my next question is (laughs) what was that like having like throughout your whole life? Cause I'm pretty sure it's happened to you. It's happened to me way more times than I would like to count. Um, That question of what are you Mm -hmm. like? What, how did you receive that? Was that, cause I know you just said like, you know you kind of had this elevator pitch like you kind of already knew what to kind of expect and how to address these things but like what was that how did that feel for you like when people asked you because I personally like I one hate that question because I'm just like Mm -hmm. how do you just box me in like that like I'm so many things like how do I like what do you want to know of me right and then what do you ask right like what is it that you want to know and then you know for me because I am darker skinned with the thicker coarse hair compared to some of my family members like you know a lot of people think I am only African-American. Like, it's very rare for anybody to think I'm ever, like, ever come to me and expect me to be Hispanic unless mm-hmm. they hear my last name or may hear me speaking Spanish. So it's always been like a pet peeve of mine for somebody to come up to me and be like, what are you? Like, where are you from? Like, what? I just didn't like that. So, like, what was that like for you? Yeah, I always at least when I was younger I always took it as like oh someone's just trying to learn about me and understand who I am so I I didn't initially always take it with like such like a malicious intent even though Mm, I understand like there are so many things I I think I truly thought of it as like a learning opportunity because I often knew that like most people aren't going to know where Mozambique is or like what even the word you know like some people right. think like wait what is that is that a city or right, a language like, or what <laughs> yeah initially always took it as like a learning opportunity and so I would always answer their question with a question like how much time do you have and what are you actually asking because I could I could give them a few different versions of the story but I would usually just say I'm like I'm mixed I'm white and African and you know depending on how much more detail they wanted but then you know of course getting to college I was like I'm over this question and like right you know like what what do you yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's time to move on yeah no, for sure. Um, and that's a good point. Now, question, because I don't think I've ever asked this. Did your father spend time in the United States? Like, has he just always lived in Africa? He did when I was younger. So when I was like a baby, okay. 
uh, or like more like a toddler. He would spend gotcha. an extended amount of time here. But then as I got older, either my mom would take me or he would come here. So it was always like a trade-off. And then once I got old enough to travel by myself. But he, they've, my family from Mozambique has come to, you know, all of my graduations and, and big events like that. So they're familiar with the U.S. Right. So did your father, did you ever feel like your experience in the U.S. was like so far removed from your dad? Like, and, and more so in the specifics, like, let's say you were having a hard day at home because school was horrible and somebody said something mean to you, like, were you able to like connect with your dad on that level and just be like, you know, I feel this way because of whatever it is going on over here. Like, do you mm -hmm. feel like your father had kind of like the context of what life was like in the U.S.? Like, you know, do you get what I'm saying? I feel like I'm asking the question. It's not sounding yeah, or making sort it of. sense as I. I mean, I would probably, I would talk to him at least weekly. So I probably, I don't okay. really remember, you know, calling him up at the end of the day and saying, this is my day of school. Gotcha. Okay. And yeah, I think that's just a, an unintended consequence of like the time difference. Like I would get out of school at three sure. and it would be right. like 10 PM there. Um, so there wasn't always a lot of time. I would, and that's why I would usually like speak with him on the weekends when I could call earlier. But yeah, I definitely always felt like I could reach out to my parents. I was also someone who just from growing up was very like stubborn and I always wanted to solve all my problems by myself first before I like felt like I really had to reach out to someone else. Spoken like a truly on the <laughs> I was like wondering if you were gonna bring that up or if I was. <laughs> you you know you know I was. I feel like that was one of our biggest like connecting um <laughs> things for, for you and I was definitely our beliefs in the horoscopes yes. and zodiacs and kind of our spirituality. Um so yes, no, I think that's spoken like a truly you there. <laughs> um and your fierce independence. Yes. Um but I always just love your you have like this very free going personality that you just kind of like always have a smile on I feel like there's always this light about you so I always you. have always appreciated that you're you're always a light for me Aww. and I enjoy your space and your time now with that being said like what were or what are some of the biggest takeaways from both cultures like I think that this is a really cool one that I just really am interested in um because I feel like we all have like our life lessons, our family stories, this oral history that gets passed on about like just all of these stories or ideas that just try to make sense of life. You know what I mean? And that teach us values and virtues and things like that. Like, can you give me one from each side that you really hold dear to your heart? You mean like a, a family story or just like No, what just a I... cultural, like a cultural thing. So like, I, I'm trying to think of a really good one. So like, like my grandmother always talks about, um, there's this one story about this man, and this is more so along the lines of faith and instilling mm -hmm. a fear of God in you. Um, there was this guy who swore off God and he went to the beach and he burnt the cross. And his punishment for defying God and speaking God's name in vain was that he has to search the beach 
until he finds every piece of the cross he burned. Moral of the story, it's damn near impossible to find ashes among the sand. Um, so the moral of the story is like, you know, you never speak God's name in vain. You don't disrespect God. Like you always have that level of respect. So I don't necessarily believe in that story, but like that is something that culturally has just been passed down in my family. Um, so like, are there any cool like stories that have been passed down from like either side? cool or interesting <laughs> or like that you always go back to or that is always told I think what I always go back to is just feeling now feeling grateful for having been exposed to so mm. much like as a kid mm -hmm. um even though there were a lot of like complications and you know, frustrations and just like growing, growing pains. I think that I, I wouldn't be who I am without having experienced all that when I did. Yeah. So I think I'm just always grateful for, you know, moments with my grandmother. I'm grateful that, you know, I was able to relearn Portuguese. And then from like my mom's side, the American side, I, I feel so grateful to like have been educated in the same, in the way that I was. Like I always think back to like, okay, well, if my mom had stayed and I had grown up in Mozambique, I would probably be like, you know, totally I don't even know. Like, right. I don't know if I, yeah, I don't know if I would have like gone to college or grad school yeah so just thinking about like there I think there's like the illusion of freedom here in the states but at least like I, I was able to be independent and like choose what I wanted to study uh -huh. um, and travel the places that I did so that it's like the freedom and independence that I got from growing up in the U.S. that I think wouldn't have necessarily been like appropriate for a woman uh -huh. um in Mozambique or like there there would have been a lot more like societal pressure to get married and have kids quite early and like be a homemaker and right. you know that's a beautiful thing there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but, but I think that it was choice right? yeah exactly right. like it's it's the choice and like everything that I've been yeah afforded to to make those decisions for myself Right. Do you ever see yourself living in Mozambique? Like, do you feel like that's a place that you can at some point in your life actually call home or like that you'd be interested in? Or like maybe when you have kids, like what are your thoughts around that? Like, or do you feel like the United States is home, but there's like this extension of you there? Yeah, it's both like they're both home and that's another like I've had I've been had multiple places to call home oh, um okay. in terms of living in Mozambique permanently it would depend on you know what I was doing but it's a beautiful country I would love to live near the near the ocean and the beach of course um right so yeah it would depend a lot I see myself sort of living all over the whenever we're allowed to travel again <laughs> I know but... COVID has been <laughs> Yes. And that's another good question too, like with COVID and stuff, like how has that been like, cause I know how much you love to travel. Like, again, I used to live vicariously with your trips and like <laughs> watching your stories of y'all in the club, getting it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, and just the music, like that was another thing that we really connected on. Like I used to love, like you just exposing me to different types of music and just the, how well versed you were and just like all of these different genres of music. Um, how has that been not being able to travel back? Cause it's like, you know, it's always been a privilege to go 
So, and now you don't even have the opportunity to go and it's not even by choice. Like this is something that everybody's dealing with it. How have you been personally dealing with it through COVID? Yeah, this time last year, I was under the sun by the pool tanning. Um, So (laughs) if I look back on a year, I... I definitely appreciate having gone, but thank goodness my family is all okay. So I know that it's just a temporary thing. I know that I'll eventually be able to travel there again. It's also hard to tell in a lot of countries that are still developing or don't Mm -hmm. have quite as like, like the reporting and testing, like there's just no way to know. Like, I don't, I don't know the statistics, but I don't know how many ventilators like the whole country has. It's definitely not very many. So if you think about like those types of things, like there's not, there's just literally not enough like doctors per however many thousands of people so it's like we're still in a lot of ways just trying to get to a healthcare system that is like adequate and that everyone has access to right um, which still isn't even true for the United States but yeah thank goodness my whole family is okay we we talk and video chat regularly mm-hmm. it's their summer right now because they're on the on the opposite so it's really hot there right now I wish I was there <laughs> but <Right. laughs> I'll I'll have to wait. And definitely. So before I let you go and we wrap this up, I always really loved watching your relationship with your sister. Like that was like a really dope thing to see because I you could just see the love between the two of you. How has that been like just having your sister and being close to her because I feel like you know even when we have like these different components to our identity and who we are like there are some people who just are home for us right like not Mm -hmm. necessarily a space but people and your sister seems to like just be somebody that you just absolutely adore and love so much just like your energy when you guys are together so how has like having siblings kind of helped you through this as well yeah I would definitely agree with the statement that home is like a feeling that you can get you know from anything whether it's food or people or you know a smell or yeah whatever yeah and she's definitely one of those people and what's interesting is we sort of had like opposite so like she grew up in Mozambique but came here for college and last winter we both went back to Mozambique for like a month Uh And it was her first time like coming back, you know, and that's something that I've done over and over and over again, like coming back to Mozambique and like, you know, just that moment of stepping off the airplane and or like the other people on the plane are all, you know, speaking not English. And, you know, all the all those sort of like markers that tell you like, okay, we're not in the US anymore. And so watching her go through that whole like, wow, coming back and you know, the little butterflies that you feel that you don't understand why, because it's home, but it's a place that like you haven't been in a while. Yeah. So it was really cool to be able to share that experience and and watch her go through it. Something that like, at this point, I don't think twice about, you know, I've just Uh always been used to coming back and it looking different or, you know, seeing that my brother is like, my little brother is like a foot taller like (laughs) my other sister is like you know on tiktok or whatever the like (laughs) things are that 
that tell you that you're not um, home anymore, that you're right. at a different home. But it's also really interesting with like globalization. Like, like my sister is, on, my other sister is on TikTok and, you know, she's very well versed about like what's happening like on social media here in a lot of ways that I'm not tuned into because I'm 27. But right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's like a it's different time. Yeah, social yeah. media is not... I even find myself feeling the same way. I just, I don't feel like I'm old, but then the fact that I work with young people mm-hmm. and they're looking at me like, yo, T, you really don't <laughs> know what this is? Like, you're old. And I'm like, well, no, like, <laughs> when did this happen? So I also I felt think that, that so like, much. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad, Natalia. And our kids now are just like, so in tuned with like the world and they're so right. verbal and vocal so you know they'll call me on my stuff real quick and i'm just like see you don't know what this is like oh my god and i'm just like guys you guys <laughs> are making me so self-conscious right now like i need you guys to tone it down a little bit um but no that's super dope and i really do love kind of seeing that and again um vicariously kind of experience this experiencing these things with you because i feel like that's also the beauty of social media like there are Mm -hmm. things that are dangerous and scary and they just suck about social media but I think the platform in itself has just become like this way for you to experience new things through different lenses and that's Mm -hmm. been really cool to kind of see and watch happen in front of me and with all the new amazing people that have come into my life and have made an impact um you being one of them Mm-hmm. Um, so with this last question before we wrap up, what advice would you give? Um, and I'll let you pick which one, right? What advice would you give to a parent who is raising a child, right? Who may be experiencing or growing up how you did, right? Mixed between the two and just maybe struggling to identify or to a young person who is where you were, right? So like, whether you want to take on the parents angle or a young person your age or not your age now, but like that was how you were when you were younger um, on just navigating this idea and concept of identity and not through the Mm -hmm. lens of that person in the sense that like you have this awareness now, if you could go back and instill this new knowledge into somebody else so that they don't go through the same things or question the same things like what would that be yeah I do not feel comfortable answering any questions about parenting so I won't go there okay Uh, (laughs) and I want to click so I asked that one just because I feel like a lot of like like you say like there's a lot of mixed people and just kind of like that moment you had in college where it's like wow there's a lot of people like me I think sometimes when we are parents and you know also I think it's a little little bit easier for me because I am a parent but like we in our minds we give our kids what we think is going to help them but I always think it's cool when you can go back and kind of just be like well I wish I would have known this you know what I mean Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's not necessarily mistakes or anything that parents are missing or anything that they did wrong. It's just more so like, you know, had I had had this knowledge, 
maybe things would have been different. You know what I mean? Like, so not necessarily like if you were a parent, but like if a parent came to you, like, let's say I had a child who was mixed and I went to Natalia and I'm like, Natalia, like a kid said this really mean thing to her at school today. Like, how do I make her feel comforted? Like, how Mm -hmm. do I make her feel seen? Like, that's really like along the lines of what, what I was trying to get at. Not necessarily from the perspective of a parent, but like what advice would you give to a parent? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, so then this advice could sort of go for, like, both um, audiences, but I think that it's, like, I would really emphasize that, like, you're not two separate halves, like, you are a whole, and, like, it's both, and, like, to figure out what that both means and looks like for you Mm. you know like my both is going to be very different from another mixed person's both and so acknowledging that both is in and of itself like whole in its own way and that like you not you aren't like a fragmented unwhole little bits and pieces person because I think that's how I felt for a long time and I was like okay well I can it's a beautiful thing to be able to tap into all these like different perspectives and like pools of wisdom and knowledge that you have access to. But yeah, it, it also felt very like fragmented and not like a smooth, complete, easy whole that like right. someone of one race might have. That's like, that's sort of a given, you know, like there, uh-huh. you don't have to question any of that. Um, right. So yeah, and then in that exploration of like what both means, you give yourself like space and time to figure it out. It's not going to be overnight. It might never even be, but you know, you'll get closer and you'll figure out what things to, to tweak or what boundaries to set. And yeah, I would also just say like find an outlet for all of that frustration. Like I journal a lot and that's just my way of getting things out on paper. So yeah, don't let it all just like fester inside of your mind and your heart because I think that will lead to a lot of unnecessary suffering. And yeah, just as much as like there are like beautiful things about both sides of culture, there are also like less beautiful things about it, but it's all necessary it's all part of it and to just like remember that like big picture when you get lost in like the little nuances or the little comments that you might hear and I love the finding an out I think that that's something that a lot of people overlook and don't really think like once you tap into something like I, I think it just becomes a lot easier to deal with everything you know because you have like you said like this channel you have this escape so I think that that's a dope piece of advice for anybody so and that, dealing with really anything fitting. right exactly. you know like with anything it's that's just a way that it's like a coping or self-care thing that I mean you know a lot of people do hold it in and just keep it bottled up and that's also okay but I think in the long run that's not a a healthy way to operate right 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 a hundred percent agree with that so Natalia before I sound off and we wrap up this episode please share with the people your Instagram where they can find you yeah just so that they can follow up yeah uh thank you for having me and um yeah my instagram is at baytalia with two a's on the end at b-a-e-t-a-l-i-a-a
Thank you so much, Natalia. It was a <laughs> pleasure you. having you. I'm so excited for this to even just drop and to share your story. So again, thank you for taking the time to share your story with me. This was another episode of Project Legacy, the podcast. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Project Legacy, the podcast. If you would like to continue the conversation or be a guest or even have a topic suggestion, email me at projectlegacythepodcast at gmail.com and follow me at babymommytherapy on Instagram. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Till next time, blessings. Mm-hmm.